Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And this is Track Walking. Um, so Seth and I had a heart-to-heart. I don't tell him everything, but it's okay because he doesn't follow me on Instagram. Yeah, my, my kid has to tell me about Scott being famous. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Not what happened. Hundred That is exactly what happened. So, people who don't follow Scott on Instagram... And I don't know if anybody should follow Scott on Instagram after this. Scott. Well, that's the reason you should, because then you would just know this. Maybe, but Scott won a thing. Do you want to tell everybody what you won or do? No, I have to do it. I was voted. I don't feel like I won it. I was voted. Everybody who lost to you feel like you won. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Hope to God this isn't a popularity contest. Uh, yeah, um, the GLTC drivers once a year at the last event of the year uh, write down names and a piece of paper for the person or people that they think uh, best embodies the spirit of GLTC. And um, the trophy was made by Johnny from Nine Lives Racing. It's a pretty cool trophy that says GLTC bestest driver this year. Um, and I voted for the gentleman that I thought should have won, uh, was very deserving and ended up, it was me. So, and he knew just so everybody knows he knew this a week ago when we recorded a show, told me nothing. There was other things to talk. I know there was other things and there was an interview and all that stuff happened in in the middle of this week, my kid goes, hey, yeah, tell Scott congratulations. And I'm like, why? <laughs> About what? And she's like, no, there's a picture of he and his son, and they're holding this giant trophy. And I don't love you any less. Because okay. I didn't I'm, tell just, you that. I'm just saying. Yeah. The cool part, the it it's a very cool honor, and I still don't really feel worthy of it i guess um ah, but, so uh, on brand yeah Scott. <laughs> it really is um but the the really cool thing is my son happened to not be able to go to sleep um so about 10 minutes beforehand uh, we got him back up put his shoes on and uh so he was there with us to hold the trophy for the pictures um in his baby yoda night pajama pants um and Star Wars hoodie. So, um, like when your dad is famous, even for a moment, it's awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. It'd be interesting to see what he thought about that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if he get. Yeah, I don't know. Well, most of the time, your dad's just your dad. But yeah. like for a moment, your dad's like the most important dude in the room. It's kind of awesome. Yeah. So I don't know. T- so tonight. Yeah, speaking of most important dude in the room, this is a good segue. It's, uh, yeah. I, it's, it's an okay segue. Okay. I've done better. <laughs> I've had better. Um, <laughs> authority. We've talked yeah. about it a few times, uh, just kind of in passing on the podcast. But I think for me, the 
the most pointed one was when we were kind of talking about instructing and the authority that comes with being an instructor. Um, and I think this can apply to um, different areas of the paddock as well. Um, pit lane crew certainly have a lane of or an air of authority. Um, whoever's working grid, like they wear bright colors and point you to where you're supposed to go. Uh, emergency workers have an air of authority. Uh, faster drivers to a lot of people have an air of authority as well. So there's, there's all sorts of... Authority is rampant in the paddock and among racing. Um, but what I kind of wanted to, to look at, especially with my experience as being an instructor, it's, it's very odd to have that instant authority. And I kind of wanted to look at it a little bit closer. So there's there's two different types of, well, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, a lot of different metrics. But uh, the first one where I'd like to start is looking at authority as an authority that uh, seeks to hold power. So a top-down authority. Okay. Somebody or a group of people who basically just come in and say, hey, we're in charge. And so all of you have to follow me. So that's kind of a top-down authority. The other is, of course, would be the bottom-up authority. This is power that is kind of bestowed upon somebody. Um, or, yeah, it's, it's, it's a much more even power structure that they people just say hey this person is just like us but we think that they should um, have this special privilege or power or authority among us so there's that kind of dynamic and i think one interesting thing about being an instructor is it's a little bit more of the first one by name because instructors carry the title of instructor, which kind of in and of itself has some weight, has some heft to it. Well, it comes with baggage prior to anybody learning to drive cars. We've all had instructors in other areas of our lives. For so. sure. For sure. Teachers. Yeah. Yeah. We're That's a good point. Yeah. We are kind of used to that power structure, um, whether we accept it or not. We'll talk about that. Um, and in this, there are a few different types of authority uh, that I want to talk about. Uh, one is kind of stated authority. It's authority that comes with a title or a position, a lot like an instructor or um, a judge or a teacher or firefighter or something like that but there's a title and kind of a, an air of authority that comes with that and this this type doesn't necessarily seek to rule or like have power over the people around them but just having the title is supposed to uh, grant some sort of a privilege power authority just by the name alone. And that to me is kind of one of the most 
strange ones because technically this type of stated authority, you can walk into a room of complete strangers and because you have doctor at the beginning of your name, there is some kind of heft that comes with that. Being a foreigner. Well, it's, a so- it's a societal thing though, right? Sure. That's, that's something that, that we that we arrange on the societal level um, just to give things structure. If we don't know, I don't want to say if we don't know who's more important, it makes things chaotic because then we have to figure it out ourselves. Um, but if we, if we automate, like if we have a structure and we know like, okay, this, this dude's more important. This is the guy who's going to take charge in this situation. This is this, um, you know, this is the, this is the woman who uh, definitely, is going to fire us all if we don't behave. You know, if we know those things prior to it, it it takes a lot of the guesswork out of any given social situation. Sure. And I think that's the reason as a society, we sort of went, all right, let's let's sort of agree to these rules. Um, and that's, I think that's why even, you know, you look, the the very simplistic thing is is in the, the military or in police forces or things yeah. like that. You wear, literally wear that on your sleeve, right? Yeah. No, no, that's um, a perfect and, example. And so nobody has to say that they're in charge. You look at them and you're like, all right, that person is in charge of me. The end. Yeah. Yeah. If they've got so, more, more stripes, more stars or whatever the insignia is. Yeah. Or, you know, doctors are the same way when doctors wear the, the white coats and the nurses wear the scrubs, you know, there's, there's a power structure in, in not just the, the fact that that power structure exists, but in the uniforming of those sorts of things. Right. Um, so we take the guesswork. I think that's just to take the guesswork out of it and make it make structures easy for sure. And I, I experienced this when I was a, an active, uh, pastor serving a church is I could go to a social gathering. And if it was known that I was a pastor, guess who got to pray at dinner? Uh, guess, <laughs> guess who was just the ipso facto authority on all things spiritual. <laughs> I like how you say got to pray at dinner. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. For years. <laughs> get to do it. You get, get used to it. Um, but yeah, there was just instantly with people you don't even know. Um, like I've had strangers tell me like some really dark stuff like i mean basically seeking confession and absolution and it's like i'm not that kind of a priest but um you know but yeah there was i and you're right i think that you know i think all of these types as we go through them culture or whatever social group you're a part of um there is kind of some sort of a social contract that you can subscribe to that has just like that immediate authority based on like what's on your name tag, basically. Um, Another type of authority is going to be like an expert or um, you could call this like a demonstrated authority or a competence knowledge based authority. And this may not carry a um, label with it, uh, you could just be really experienced. You maybe never went to school for something, maybe never got a degree. You don't hold any professional title. 
but because you are just known for your expertise in a given field, that that has a type of authority to it. And people will kind of seek you out um, as that. Now, this this is an interesting one to me because the this type of authority can seek to be top-down is the person can try to swing their knowledge around and hit people in the head with it. Or uh, they could be lifted up in the community. They could just be doing what they're doing and the group uh, collectively holds them up as, hey, this person, you know, they may not be super vocal about it, but this person is the guy, is the woman to talk to about X, Y, and Z. About uh, tire pressures and temperatures. Go see her. <laughs> Becky. For instance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and she does yeah. and she does not uh, swing her knowledge around very much. It's you know, if somebody wants to come and talk to her, absolutely. Like she will she'll talk about it. But yeah, no, that's a good it's a good example. Uh, another one which is kind of an interesting one. I've always found is a charismatic authority. And this one is very different from uh, being competent at something or having a title. It can be completely separate. You could just be a likable person um, or somebody who seems likable uh, could be <laughs> just, could be just as likely. Um, but because of that, you have an air of authority because for anyone who has a charismatic uh, personality, which is, I don't, I don't think me, um, but you, you know, somebody like this, somebody who maybe they're quieter than others, but when they speak, everybody kind of shuts up and listens, or you've got somebody who is very boisterous, um, very bigger than life, but yet still people seem to flock to them. And there is a kind of authority in that, that they don't have to have any ness, any expertise in any given field. They don't have to be a doctor. They don't have to be an engineer. Um, but they're just likable. And so people listen to what they have to say. I would, I would argue that uh, all of Adam Dubay's power uh, comes from this. Yes. Um, I, I, I want him to be in charge just because I like him. I mean, like, it's not that he doesn't have a whole bunch of knowledge and sure. he's, you know, is the head of a structure and yada, yada. But, but uh, I think all of Jubei's power is derived from the fact that I just like him yeah. and, and you just like him and everybody just likes him. And so he gets to be in charge because we all like him. Yeah. And I think it's backed up by, um, his demonstrated authority his the fact right. that he's been around, he's done things. He's, he's had conversations and he knows things. Um, but yeah, no, I think on its face, Adam Jabe is absolutely, uh, has charismatic authority in the paddock and in the track community, certainly in the Midwest, but I have a feeling even larger. Whether. He is lar- he is larger than life at this point, which would drive him insane to hear people say that, and that makes me happy. Well, he has a puppet of himself now. 
I know. Does he have it or is it just wandering around no, to taunt him? He would abs no. Uh he would I don't think he'd burn it, but I think he would conveniently lose it. Yeah. Uh, that is in the um very safe hands of um the other founder of Grid Life, as I'm sure it will stay there. <laughs> so all right, so we've got uh, stated authority, uh, which kind of is conferred, has a title or a position that comes along with it. We've got an expert authority that is demonstrated through competence, knowledge, experience. We've got a charismatic authority that is demonstrated through just being darn likable. Um, and And this can have a dark side, too, because there are plenty of figures I know who are charismatic and people flock to them, but that they use to hold power, authority, and um, oh, manip- able to manipulate people through that. Is this how we're going to start a cult of driving? We just get the right person? I think people would uh, argue that that has already happened. Uh, Adam, runs, Adam runs a cult? <laughs> He doesn't even. He doesn't even know, does he? You haven't heard. (laughs) He's our drug dealer, man. Um, so we've got that one, and then the last one is kind of a bestowed authority, and this one I I I put separately because this person or people don't necessarily have to have either one of the three that we talked about stated being an expert or being charismatic is they could just be what the people need uh, selected from their own group as just, Hey, it's going to be you. You are going to represent us. You are going to go and do this. Now this. Like, is this chosen by the people or can it be chosen by anybody? Like can you just show up and you're like, all right, you eight grid workers, this dude's in charge today. And you're like, all right. Or did the grid workers choose their own? I think I think the community would have to choose its own. Okay. Um, so I mean, we can talk about this in elections. I ideally in elections, you know, where people vote for one or multiple people to represent them at any given time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, that that one has the very very bottom up. Um, vibe to it and each one of these um yeah can rear its head in very different ways i know plenty of doctors plenty of people um who have a title and they wield it uh over (laughs) people who are around them they want people to know that they should be respected that they should um be listened to uh, and you know that's that's one way to do it. There are other people who uh, hold the title titles like engineer or teacher or mechanic, um, who are certainly experts by title, but they don't seek to wield that authority over people. Yeah, this would uh, in reference to driving when you mentioned doctor. Yeah. We could do doctor, dentist, uh, optometrist. There's, <laughs> there's a there's a group of of people that uh, uh, would be known to show up in race and do those sorts of things. Um, 
generally people, professionals that have, have been successful in their personal life, who are used to a certain amount of respect in their personal life and show up and drive. And uh, sometimes that rubs the group the wrong way. Sometimes literally that rubs individual cars yeah. the wrong way. Right. So that's um, within driving. That's a, a really interesting dynamic and an interesting thing to to talk about um, because you have people that are very used to their their position granting them a position of respect, like like all day every day, right? Like I go to work and I'm the doctor in the office, and in my social group, I am a doctor and everybody knows it. And I show up at the track and I'm still a doctor and. These 24-year-old kids in civics don't give a crap. Like, like, literally don't care that I'm a 52-year-old doctor who's very, very successful. They just want me to not run into them. Yeah, any kind of the authorities that we talked about, uh, which, again, are going to be stated expert, charismatic, uh, maybe bestowed, but primarily stated expert or charismatic, any one of these that seeks to hold dominion over others is necessarily going to prioritize themselves over the group. Right. Because they want to be at the front. They want to be known. They want to be in the lead. They want to do all these things. And it doesn't, it may not matter. The result may matter more than how they get there. All right. Ends, ends justifying means and the whole like. Yeah. Uh, which speaking in track driving can be, and wheel to wheel racing in particular, can be very dangerous. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's like, like how much of that authority thing, and, and you could, you could almost box it in with ego, which is a whole different show. Sure. Um, but, you know, you're not, you're not, I say you're not used to losing, but you're not used to, people dismissing you out of hand um because of you know because of the authority either you have you've earned whatever it is um you know we all put on helmets and we're all people in helmets yep and you better believe uh, i feel cooler and more powerful in a helmet and a race suit and gloves cause... dude there's nothing like putting in a race suit the first time like like my wife even thought i was sexy the first time i put on a race suit the first time the first, yeah. After that, she okay. was like, Oh my God, that smells funny. Why are you putting that on? But That's the fair. first time when it was new, dude, I was awesome. And how much cooler did I feel once I get a mirrored visor for my helmet? It's all next, the cart kids, all the cart kids have those. It's like level. a, it's like a race car thing. Yeah. You have, you have to, to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I still use a clear visor. I want people to see me mm. look into my eyes. Mm. You want them to know that you're coming. Yeah, maybe it's fear. Maybe it's a little erotic. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> maybe both. Maybe, maybe uh, both. Maybe, maybe that's what does it for. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> There's a term for that. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, so the and the aspect that we haven't really talked about in authority is authority has to be accepted. Authority has to be legitimate at some point. And I've had this happen, fortunately, only a handful of times. But when I am introduced as an instructor to usually two students a weekend, 
And every once in a while, um, well, most of the time, these students accept the fact that I am hopefully looking out for their best interests. I will help them get through this and that I have knowledge that I'm able to give them that will make them better that is based on my experience and knowledge of um, driving a car on track. Now, every once in a while, a person decides that I am not a legitimate uh, instructor, that I do not have a legitimate authority or adequate experience or that the title means nothing to them and challenge what I have to say at every turn, don't listen to the feedback or suggestions that I give, and that turns out to be a, usually a rough weekend. And, How does that make you feel, Scott? Um, it's, it's... Let's focus on Scott here. The Scott's the authority side of things. Yeah. Um, I rarely take it personally. I really try not to. Okay. Um, what I find more is that that usually says more about them than it does about me. That somewhere along the way that they have had somebody in a position of authority who has abused that and have used it to beat down, beat them down or make them feel bad or something that they've been hurt, Seth. Okay. <laughs> they've been hurt before. Um, <laughs> and so we tried to, um, you know, get them switched out to a different instructor, maybe one that they uh, can listen to. Now that I'm getting older, that's um, youth is less of an issue as I get older. Um, it's going to become an issue for a different reason as I continue to age. Um, but I know that Lisa Keys, um, one of our female instructors, has had this problem more often than I have for sure because she is a female instructor. Sorry, an instructor who is a female. And just because she's a female, a lot of dudes uh, don't believe that she's a legitimate authority figure in their life. Uh, we have a 17-year-old instructor as well who has faced a very similar issue because, oh, surely he is far too young and I have way more experience than he does. Uh, and so he has to face that. So for true authority, um, and I mean it in the best possible sense, authority is good. We need people with authority in our lives, and we need to be the authority, uh, hopefully for other people. But to have an, a, a legitimate authority that has to have both sides of it, you have to have the people or the person recognize it as being legitimate and the person also has to hold that position of authority with hopefully the little e ego as I am taking on this role of authority for you that you have accepted as being legitimate. Does that make sense? It does. It's worth Yeah, I I, I, no, because, I wish, because if I had more time, things. I would have said it in fewer words. <laughs> yeah, but but if either of those things are broken, then it doesn't work. The system falls apart. Yes. So it's basically you can break things from either end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there has to be some sort of um, 
contract or agreement or unspoken or spoken, whatever, um, right. in order for it to work. And in this example, for, for me to properly and adequately coach someone um, through a weekend, that has to be accepted, and I have to accept even doing it in the first place in order for that to work. Right. Uh, in order for people to listen to grid workers, uh, they have to accept the fact that they are there, um, that they know what they're talking about and what they're doing, and that I will choose to listen to them. Yeah, yeah. that's an issue. It, it can be. Uh, and flag, flag station workers, you want to talk about stated authority there? Um, I, I have never questioned a flag station worker, mostly because I don't like, they're sort of, uh, like a fleshy stoplight and that's the same way. Like, I don't, like, I don't have to want to stop for a red light, but I'm going to. That has, that has been more of an issue than, um, I would like to believe should be an issue are there people who like deliberately don't believe in their own black flags like that kind of thing oh absolutely yeah we've we've had drivers go three laps um, (laughs) being black flagged at every station blatantly and uh i I can't remember what ended up happening. This has happened on a few occasions. Either they end up coming in or the entire session got black flagged in order to talk to this one driver. I have had that happen before in NASA where somebody didn't come in and they flagged the whole session. And then I was like, oh, no, did I do something wrong? Like I came in like, you know how a dog will look like, like, oh, my God. I did what it, I don't even know what I did. Ears, but ears from down. the look on your face, yeah. I did something bad. And I came in, I was exactly like that inside my helmet. I was like, what did I do? And they were like, no, it wasn't you. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially like um, punishing the whole class for right. something that one person did. And sometimes, right. like, that's that can be the only way to actually get through to that one person. Yeah. That was Becky texting me. Yeah. No, but like I, I really, I give absolute authority to flag people. Um, I don't know why. Like, I guess I, I guess I listen to things like that. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'll, I will tell you, I'm like, ah, punk rock. I don't like authority, blah, but that's not actually, that's a hundred percent untrue. Um, I'm like, if, if I'm convinced that you're in charge, I will listen to you a hundred percent. And and for some reason, the farther up the ladder that goes, the more. That's not true. The people immediately above me, I listen to more. The f- more distant you are from me, I don't really care. Like, yeah, like okay. when I worked, I would the like my direct boss. I would have conversations with. I would be like, yeah, like totally listen to you. If it came from somebody three layers above that, I'm like, screw that guy. I don't need to do anything. I mean, I I also tend to defer to authority or anyone I perceive as having authority, um, more experienced, faster race car drivers in general, I bestow some sort of authority on them. They're faster than me. They have more experience than me, whatever it may be. Um, now that can go away with experiencing, uh, not race cars and drivers in particular, but with anybody, um, I can, 
typically, again, I defer to authority until you prove yourself to be incompetent in my yeah. eyes. It's, and, right. and that's the, that's the total honesty. It's like, it just has to be like, I don't think you know what you're talking about or you're wielding it like an asshole. That's yeah. that for me is the biggest, like I will drop you like a hot pan if you wield your authority around to make yourself feel cool at others' expense, dude, I will go toe-to-toe with anyone who chooses to do that. I get riled up real quick. That's punk rock Scott right there. Like, I don't know. It's Maybe. But, I mean, in part <laughs> is because I've been hurt before by people like that, by people who wield right. authority yeah, yeah. to make you feel worse, to make them feel better. It's like, you know what? No. This is definitely going to have the explicit rating on it, but fuck you. Like, it's not yeah. going to happen. And I will stand up for, you know, the rest of the group, whether they want me to or not. Like, if you're trying to, like, put us all down to, because you need to get a I don't know. Yeah, no, no, I, I know where you're going to go from. in a dark with this, but been there, been there, done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just wanted, to, I just wanted to get you riled up. It worked. It was fun. Oh, it. Mm. <laughs> I speak about this because I had a, an experience over the weekend with uh, another instructor that uh, it's my first time I've ever had a problem with another instructor. Um, didn't didn't know the guy coming in to the weekend and. I had all, you know, it's like, okay, so, you know, he's going to be doing this and this and this cool. And we get there and within five minutes, I'm like, nope. (laughs) And we're (laughs) done here. So, yeah. But so, so when somebody has, when somebody's put themselves in that position, um, can it be fixed through time or is it just broken forever for you? No, no, it can absolutely be fixed. Um, okay mended you're you're a better man than i am though. I, I didn't say how long <laughs> or like the extremes <laughs> to which but no it, it can be um like anything um time and fidelity uh tends to mend quite a few things for me at any rate at any rate see because i can i can actually tell you distinctly the moment that authority got screwed up for me with the any, very moment with any given person in general like okay. the moment i started to doubt authority in general and go whoa 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 like i'm not sure people know what they're talking about you know as it, a kid so it's like adults like wait a minute adults are fallible like inherently fallible and and i was in second grade and we we're doing this project in second grade you still like in general believe your teachers like teacher says something, it's the truth, right? Your sure. parents say something, it's the truth. Sure. I mean, you have arguments with your parents, but whatever. So like this, like, like adults have authority over second graders. It's a good, it's a good societal structure sure. in general. Yes. And, and we're doing this project where it's like nine paper panels and they're all this, this farmyard thing. And each one has a different farm animal on it. We, one we're doing one a day and we get to the one that's got pigs on it. And at the time, we have pigs at my house. Got like three pigs and they live out back and the cats hang out with them. It's a weird thing. But these pigs are these tricolored pigs. So they're kind of a 
a purple color and white and pink, and they've got these blotches on them. Um, I, I don't know the name of the breed because I was, you know, like seven, right? And so I was like, dude, pigs. Nailed it. I know exactly what pigs look like because I saw them this morning. And so I colored the pigs exactly like the pigs that lived at my house. Mm-hmm. And the teacher said, no, that's not what pigs look like. Because everyone else in the class colored their pigs pink. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, we have pigs and that's what they look like. And she said, no, that's not what pigs look like. And she gave me whatever, like a, a check minus on it. And I was like, she doesn't know. Interesting. I mean, yeah. I know that pigs come in different colors. She doesn't know that. And that was like a re- like I and I'm, I'm telling you the story because I literally carried yeah. the disappointment in that moment with me for the rest of my life. So I don't remember what episode it was, but we were talking about uh, teaching as lying to your students. Um, but in the best possible way. Right. And this is a large part of the reason why I really seek to not ever teach somebody something that they have to unlearn is because there's an inherent loss of trust and legitimacy put placed in you as an authority figure when something like that happens. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so that's why I don't teach the quote-unquote safe beginner line around a racetrack because someday they will find, oh, I have to unlearn that because this person told me something that didn't carry me all the way through. Uh, Now, they could have had very legitimate reasons for teaching you that at the time, but there is still a loss of trust. There's still a a feeling of um, that you don't know what you're talking about. Do you have ways as a, as an instructor to mitigate that? Because there, I, I had students before where it was like clearly teaching them the fast way. Um, this was especially in Rallycross. Teaching someone the fast way to do it is a safety liability. Um, and so I chose to like specifically chose to, a neat, to, to teach them a technique that was safer. And then we would change that later on. But I think I always told them what I was doing and why. That is absolutely where my brain was going. Yeah. Okay. And you can say like, like, will you teach somebody and say, okay, I'm going to teach you the safe line. And this is why there will be another line someday. Is that how you do that? Or at most of the tracks we go to, there's not a particular. Not... Yeah, but like like Road America scares the crap out of me. There's parts of that yeah. where Road America NCM. Good God, if you can drive laps around NCM and not yeah. be conscious of the things you could run into, you're a way better man than I am. In in general, what I'm what I'm doing is. I'm I'm much less interested in line with beginners. Okay. Um, we can we can talk about that, but I I find there are other instructors who are much more concerned about like pri- driving the proper line. Blah blah blah. I'm I'm really much more interested in teaching etiquette, um, safety, working well with other cars on track, 
and um, feeling what your car is doing and what that means. That to me is what beginners um, is really the foundation of quick, safe, courteous drivers on track. Um, But at a track like NCM, again, like I don't, I won't really teach them a particular line, but I stress the fact that this is your car. Like, did you drive it here? (laughs) Um, You know, because a lot of HPD drivers drive their cars to the track. Some stupid race car drivers drive their car to the track. I've heard that. Yeah, it's real dumb, Um, but sometimes very necessary. So I'm not going to poo-poo it for sure. Um, But that it is up to you. You are a grown, hopefully adult, most of them, who you have paid or are paying for this car currently. You can choose to drive in such a way that it puts you and your car at risk of damage or injury. And that is a decision you can make. And what I'm going to tell you is that you can wad up a car in beginner HBD at Road America. You can injure yourself driving around the track at NCM. You can do it at Gingerman even. You've really got to try a little bit harder. (laughs) Um, But you certainly can. I mean, driving is inherently dangerous. There are some tracks that are built safer than others, but to work up to pace and focus on what you are capable and willing to do. And I think that to me is why extended lead follows are not the way to go and why putting an instructor in the right seat is not the way to go because then the drivers, whoever you're trying to teach, begin to drive to what they feel they are expected to drive to or that they are trying to show off or they're trying to keep up. Um, And that to me is far more dangerous than putting a new person out on a track that they've never seen before. So that, that brings me to an authority question. Um, I want to, I want to ask you one before you, you're the one asking all right. Yeah. So parenthood has, kind of a a, a stated authority to it. Um, And especially the beginning, one that definitely is not deserving. Right. (laughs) Um, So you as a dad, you, dad comes with a title. There's some air, some cultural authority to that. And as you've raised several kids and continue several others, there are times when being a dad means about nothing. So what's what's your experience over the years been with, um, and this is probably a podcast in and of itself, um, but what's been your 50,000-foot overview of authority and fatherhood uh, in five I, words or less? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... Ever changing, be flexible. Those are my five words. Those are four words. I'm bad at counting. Um, because I had to count on my hand. I know. So 
So I think the the difference, the the fundamental difference with with parenthood between um, over over other types of authority is that parenthood is a fundamental. It's a it's always changing. Um, if you instruct cars, like you're going to be an instructor and a person's going to be a student, and that relationship isn't really going to change. I mean, 10 years from now, when you're an instructor and your student's 10 years older, that's not that different. But the authority that you wield over a two-year-old is different than the authority than you wield over a 12-year-old. Um, and that happens in other parts of society too. But, but in general, a, a teacher only has a student, particular student for one year. Um, they're, they're not teaching, you know, your second grade teacher is not your, your, your 12th grade teacher. Um, and so, and that probably plays into our last topical episode about dependence, independence, interdependence. Yeah, it it really does because, because it's always changing, right? Like there's times with, with a two-year-old where you've got to say, no, like, like, we're not going to have a discussion about this. You just can't do this. And, and that's an appropriate amount of authority to wield over a two-year-old sometimes. Um, I had (laughs) my... My older son, when he was about five, I think, we were at a, an outdoor festival and he wanted to do something and he just lost his shit. Like, like had a, a meltdown at a five-year-old type meltdown. And, and so I picked him up under my arm and we walked out. And that is wielded authority for it's sure. It's wielded authority. Like, like it's it's time for this to be done. We're not going to discuss whether or not this is appropriate and whether we're going to go, I'm going to pick you up and remove you from the, this. The monarch has spoken. Yeah, and you can't do that to somebody who's 15. Right. Um, although I think if you're around long enough, you see dads that still try to wield that kind of authority over their children. Um you see dads try to wield that sort of authority over their 15-year-old daughters. Um, and it never goes the way they want it to um, because it's a different situation. Um, you, your authority becomes more uh, suggestive, right? Like, sure. like I am suggesting paths forward rather than telling you things. Um, and so... I think that's the hardest part of, of authority with parenting is that you have to evolve True. and, and that every one of your kids is different. So that the, like, if, if you have one kid, if I had kids farther apart, this would be, uh, this would be different, but my kids are so close together. I have four kids within six years. So they all overlap and it drives my kids insane because they get to see the authority I place on one kid is different than what I do to the next kid. And they're mm-hmm. so close to each other. They're like, that's not fair. And I'm like, you're different people. Yep. If you were the same people and I had the same problems with you, I would parent you the same, but you're not. Now, parenting you the and, same would be unfair. Yeah. Yeah. Doing the, the same things would be unfair. And, and, and that's harder to explain. I, I have friends who have like two kids and they're like, I don't understand why this doesn't work. And I'm like, cause it was never going to work. Like you can't, you can't parent two people the exact same way. You have to come, come up with some sort of parity in there to the, the best you can, but you have to adapt to their age. You have to adapt to the person yep. um, and that sort of thing. And all, um, and all authority, I do believe, is tran- transitory. Yeah, authority never yeah, stays. You never, 
Adam Jabay will not stay forever the motorsports director. Don't say that. Of Grid Life. Don't say that. That makes me sad. Um, Although I, I did see you on social media because I saw a post Becky made where she was like, with like two years ago, you were a student in a class and now you were teaching a class. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Spe- yeah. So that's the authority thing switching around. Speaking of which, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so my question oh, before yeah. you made me talk uh, about being dad stuff yes. was sorry uh, to remind you about your father, your fatherhood yeah. role <laughs> was, was have you, have you had a student uh, tell you no? I don't recall anyone saying no outright. Okay. What I have had is I will recommend things to try, recommend things to do, and just having that person not do it. And I've even tried like reiterating or changing how I'm suggesting or the words I'm using, uh, trying a different concept, uh, and they still don't do it. So I know it wasn't just like from a lack of understanding. Um, I have suggested to people that, you know, in this one corner or in this one transition from a corner to another corner, that the way that they are driving their particular car seems to upset it or may feel fast, but I can say with some confidence that changing their approach would make the them faster and actually make the car feel more calm and I have I I think I can only remember one person and that they were like well yeah that uh is some something along the lines of yeah that may be so but I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing (laughs) so I have two stories with that one from the the point of student and one from the point of teacher Okay. First one, first one was when I was a student, first time, first track day ever. I'm at Texas World Speedway, mm. and there's a big, you know, it had been so it's a, a roval, so there's a big, huge bank straightaway, and in any most cars, you're getting up to whatever your terminal velocity is, and of course, the first track car I did was the Cadillac, which is stupid. Yep. And I remember coming across the start finish line at like a buck twenty in fifth. And having the instructor go, okay, shift. And I went, nah. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, I'm good. Don't want to go any faster. No, I'm like, this is good. Because when we get up there, I got to turn down off the banking across this transition and break. I don't think I want to do it any faster than this. (laughs) And the first time he was like, no, really, you can do it. And the second time I'm like, I don't want to. And he's like, all right, that's fine. (laughs) That's fair. And I probably have had less of that because we're not in the heat of a moment either where it's like, hey, do like it's almost a command, like do this. And then you have a yes or no response. Like, you know, almost all of my instruction has been out of car. Right. Um, So there was that was that was as a student. And then uh, as a teacher, uh, we'll see if Pete Lindbergh listens to the show, Mm. um, because there was a very specific situation where a friend rented the, the mineral wells, um, pavement 
slab giant thing. And Pete invited me up to go drive on it. And we went and we drove out there. And um, at that point in Pete's driving career, he was quick, like getting ready for national level autocross stuff. But Pete was kind of the god of terminal understeer. And, and he would go into corners and you could just you could just feel him grind tires off like <laughs> and I've, you know, I've heard rumors about mineral wells surface as well oh yeah and mineral wells is a cheese grater too right like like it's got these big sharp rocks in it and if you're really if you're sensitive to it you know that that transition between you get some slip angle in and you get too much slip angle in there's like a you go from oh you know the the tires grabbing and doing stuff to the tires sliding and tearing chunks of rubber out of it. And you can kind of feel that, right? Sure. And, and Pete would drive just on the wrong side of the line. <laughs> and, and so it wasn't that it was that much slower, really. It was just like, like just on the wrong side of the line. The, the speed and, to tire wear ratio. Oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, like like the number, like the speed, and, and he will not deny this, I'm sure. The speed with which he could destroy tires was phenomenal. Like he could kill tires so quick. And so we went out there My and we were driving his car. Do we anything. Were, so I decided to destroy tires. Yeah. And and so we went out there and and I was trying to get him to feel that. Like, like feel that point and bring it back. And that's all I wanted to teach him was, was like, feel that, bring it back, feel that, bring it back. And so you like, you can lose like a couple tenths of a second in this lap, but you can make your tires last so much longer if you don't go beyond that point. And I just want you to feel where it was. And we butted heads for like half a day and I could feel him grinding these tires. And then, and he figured it out. Like he did. Like we finally, I finally got him to feel that. Um, but as an instructor to have somebody go, no, I'm not doing that. And, and go, yeah, yeah, you are. Cause I'm sitting right here and I can feel it happening. Like I can feel it through my butt. I can feel it through my toes. I can like, I can just have the sensation of money evaporating as you go around that corner. And that would almost be. For me, the point where it's like if I'm being hired as a coach, like to almost like have, you know, talk about that elephant in the corner, like you, I mean, you paid for me, I'm yeah. here, you know, if you would like to implement some of my suggestions, I think that would be what's best. But if not, I could also help with other aspects of driving, basically suggest like, it's up to you or, you know, if I'm, you know, one of the instructors for good life or something like that, uh, which is a free instruction with a beginner ticket. Well, I, there are other instructors we could talk to that maybe you would, um, get along better with or (laughs) have a better listening ability. I don't think I would have put as much work into it if Pete weren't such a good friend of mine. And it would have been like, 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 that's the thing, Pete, like I, and if I weren't so slightly arrogant about the fact that like, I can teach you this thing. 
And, and if we quit, I'm going to feel like, like I failed you and myself and these poor tires. And so, so yeah, that was, I, I took it farther than I would. Like if somebody had paid for me to be an instructor, I would not have talked to them the way I talked to Pete. There's there's no way. That's fair. Um, And and I think he can, he can agree with that, but he really did. I've ridden with him since and, and his feel for that point is, is now very good. Um, He can make a set of tires last a really long time on his fit Um, because he did like one, once he, once he wanted to put in the work to finding that point, he learned about it well. Um, and he can, he can drive a car hard and know he's grinding off tires. He can grind, you know, he can back off a little bit and put almost no tire wear on it. Um, so he's, he's actually really good with that. Um, but yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that was a, that was a weird day. As weird as telling my instructor, no, the very first time I, I went, cause I didn't want to go that fast. So I have a feeling everyone's had uh, an experience of uh, bad authority in their lives and hopefully one, at least one good one. So I think it'd be interesting to hear um, y'all's experience, especially in the track community with um, either being an authority figure or recognizing uh, someone else as one. So I'd be interested in hearing about that. I think it'd be, be a curious thing to share with each other. Yeah, I want to hear it from both sides. So we are at Track Walking Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Track Walking Chats is the Facebook group. And uh, we'll be back next week with um, talking about something with somebody, most likely. Yeah. So for the two of us, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. This is Track Walking. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. week.